Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the PGP, the Permission Granted Podcast, the show about the show, the show within the show. Remember, you can get behind the scenes coverage of the DA show each and every week right here on the PGP. How do you find it? Well, it's on the normal DA show podcast feed, but also on its own. It has its own podcast feed. You can search Permission Granted on your podcast platform of choice and find it there. To both, subscribe, rate, and review and find us there. That helps other people also find the podcast. Also, on the DA show podcast feed, if you are unaware, we upload every single day all four hours of the show and a very best of the show. So you can listen to the DA show as you'd like on demand. Today, we had a new bet born out of just it happening. Wasn't thought of, wasn't predicted, wasn't planned. David Sampson, Marlins president, formerly, is now a baseball analyst for CBS Sports. He does a podcast, and he said that the Yankee season, people are giving up on the Yankee season, that the roster is busted, what have you. They're not playing with pride, all that type of stuff. Mraz got really bent out of shape, and declared that the Yankees would be one of the best records in baseball by May the 15th. Now, this is three-plus weeks away, so they're 5-10 and ten right now, five games under. They need to get to one of the three best records in baseball. So I said, okay, well, you're snorting like a piggy-doodle-dandy right now. Then let's, let's make a bet on it. And if they are one of the top three records in baseball, we will all have to oink with him on the show. If they are not, he has to wear a pig nose and a piggy tail and Taylor and Danielle get to pull the piggy tail. When I announced this over the course of the morning, did Danielle reach out to you about this at all? Did she hear this? No. Luckily, she's had a very busy morning since waking up between taking care of my child and her own work meetings, so I don't think she's aware of it yet, although I can only imagine the look I'm going to get when I tell her, hey, by the way, the Yankees are the fourth best record in baseball. You have to come downstairs and pull my tail. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to really, really win over the room here in Bayshore. This all came to be because you got so mad at David Sampson. What changed? Because yesterday on the show, on on a Monday, I had done a segment about should Yankee fans be worried? And you poo-pooed it. No big deal. Calm, collected. You're like, it's not a big deal. I'm not worried about this. And then today, we have another segment with David Sampson, and you totally fly off the handle. See, this is where I, I think that there was a plant job done. This is my own conspiracy in my head because I really was rational me. That was the poll question. On Monday's show, mm-hmm. do you prefer mm-hmm. rational Mraz or fly-off-the-handle Mraz? And he, back-to-back days, we do New York Yankees, where-do-they-stand segments. It almost felt like, to me, a fix uh, a fishing expedition. Ex- Am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, f- mm-hmm. a fishing expedition where it was, all right, yep. well, Mraz didn't fly off the handle now, but now we're going to have the GM that gave Giancarlo that contract saying the Yankees don't have what it takes and the roster makeup stinks. That really irked me. That angered me because this is somebody who's supposed to have some kind of stature in baseball now having a podcast and say whatever he wants. 
It felt like to me a push job from within the DA show to get me to burst at the seams, and frankly, it worked. So that's interesting. So I'll tell you how it all was birthed. Over the weekend, the Yankees got swept by the Rays, and I had multiple people tweet at me, oh, my God, Mraz must be melting down. Mraz must be so angry. You've got to talk to him on Monday. we got to hear what Mraz thinks about this. And I did think it was just a legitimate story. The Yankees are the, the worst record of the American League. They're the Yankees. If the Dodgers were the worst team in the National League, we'd have to talk about that as well. So I thought it was a totally credible thing to, to discuss. And I think I put it at 620 yesterday, the, the first hour. So I didn't build the show around it. I just thought that it's a, a worthy topic just to see if, if you're irate about this. You were not. I was not going to do the Yankees again today because you already addressed it. But the David Sampson quote was one of CBS Sports's top headlines. And, and how I build the show is every night you send me a topic list of maybe 10 topics to 12 topics, maybe a few more some days, but let's say it's 10 to 12. And you send me the guests as well and the time of the guests. And so then I start piecing together how I want the show to flow, where I want everything blocked out. And then I also go to some of the websites that I rely on for news and I just see if I'm getting to the topic list later than you've sent it, what's broken since you've sent the topic list or what maybe you might have missed. And so I'll probably add three topics to the list of the 10 that you've already sent or the 12 or what have you. I'll find some audio I might want. I'll send that clip to Pete. Hey, can you pull this? I want to talk about this. And when I went to CBSSports.com last night, which I always do before I go to bed, the top baseball story was David Sampson, quote, People have given up on the Yankees. Oh. So I read the story and I'm like, wow, this is this is pretty dramatic that after 15 games, a former GM or former president says, fire them all. Like if he was the president, he would tell the owner and whatever that means. I don't even know. <laughs> you can't fire everybody from a baseball team, trade them all, what have you. But I thought it was interesting. Had this happened over the weekend, I, this just would have been Monday's segment. Had it happened next week, I would have used this just to get your take on things because it's really dramatic. It just so happened that it, it was back-to-back days. And I think that, as you did point out, because the Yankees are the Yankees, it's easy for people to react and overreact because it's the Yankees that are losing instead of, I mean, no, nobody cares that the Rockies are terrible. Right, right, absolutely. And, and I want to make this very clear in talking about what David Sampson said. I have been here before with the Yankees. I get it. I know, and you made the joke on Monday's show, that I am Mr. Overreaction all the time. I think I'm a little conscious about it. doesn't mean I'm never going to not overreact. But I, I think there's a combination of things here where I just, it's April baseball, and I'm watching the games, and I, I'm frustrated watching them. But, I, I mean, I can't in, in my heart. I will literally drop dead of a heart attack, if not from all the fatty foods I eat, if I scream and yell every single April, May, June, all the way, and then if they win a, a, a World Series in October, what's going to happen? You guys are going to play back all the clips where I gave up on them all throughout the year? I got to I gotta dig my cleats in here and, and defend my team a little bit and not yell and scream all the time. But then when I have a bozo like Samson say what he's saying when he's the same guy, and that's what bothered me more, that gave the contract to the Yankees' biggest problem as far as money, that's where I lose my mind and I can't take it seriously. So... So to yesterday, when it was just the topic, you're fine talking about the topic. You're fine talking about what the problem with the Yankees are, et cetera. But once you heard somebody else rip them, that's when it was Meltdown City for you. Yeah, and it depends when they rip it. What, what, would fans rip them or other radio hosts like yourself rip them? I get that comes with the territory, and I'll have fun, and I'll calm the waters, don't calm down. But when somebody who has been in and around the game and has failed at building a roster takes specific shots at things that the Yankees are doing that he himself has failed at, that bothers me to no end because that, to me, feels like, I'm sorry, you're looking for podcast clicks, which, I mean, is part of the game as well. But I kind of got the same vibe I got when I crushed Dan Orlovsky, that kind of thing. Or when we've kind of had fun at Tony Romo telling us what it takes to win a, you know, a Super Bowl as a quarterback. For whatever reason, those little things bother me when I hear guys like that say that and it makes me go nuts. So, okay, so it wasn't just a Yankee thing or us purposefully prodding you over two days. It was This was the perfect storm of guys that are unaccomplished ripping or teaching other people how to do something they couldn't do 
and that it also was your Yankee team that was being overreacted about that you don't think is a big deal. Right. For instance, I'll just throw in, if if we happen to hear that Cal Ripken or eh, go Yankees, Joe Torrey had made these comments and you found them interesting, you put them on the show, I don't think my reaction on Tuesday would be to scream and yell. I think I actually would have the, well, that's interesting. This is somebody who's accomplished something. He's really been in the locker room, understands it. I didn't, I hated the source for what the source was spinning on the Yankees and it being my team that I'm emotional about. And I addressed this on Monday where I told you not to panic and now this comes out. All of that went into this big pot of stew and stuck across the the airwaves on Tuesday. Well, what would happen if you were still producing Moose and Maggie on the WFAN side of things? Because for a while you were producing both this show and their show. And you were oftentimes leaned on as the New York sensibilities of what to talk about and how to talk about them. So how would you have advised a New York City radio show to talk about the Yankees right now? I do think it's different than than a national show. I I think the the best way to go about it is to know that the fans are going to be reactionary and, and speak from your heart. However you are as a host, do you really think this is a big deal or do you think it's not? And you better give your opinion as to why it's this or why it's not. My opinion would have been, if I was still producing you know, a WFAN show, I personally, from a Yankee fan point of view, don't see it as a big deal. Many Yankee fans do. And I think that's where the good local radio comes in, where fans can call in and hosts can argue back and forth which way or another. I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer to tell somebody their opinion is wrong as a fan. Just my opinion is far different, but I wouldn't advise that everybody at the fan, if it was Bruce show, needs to have my opinion. I would just hope they would listen to mine and understand where I'm coming from. So if you're on in New York, though, you feel like you got to jazz it up a little yes. bit. And you, you do need to be properly negative and cynical. Yes, because the Yankees sucking right now. I, I, I come from the school in local radio that suck sells. In other words, <laughs> if <laughs> obviously it's a playoff words. If everything is great and rosy, there's only so much you could talk about. You could take bows. Everybody could have the arrogance. And I think that's where some of that New England arrogance comes from because they never have suck to talk about, in essence. But when a team that's supposed to be good sucks, I find that I've seen that in proof in, in local New York radio ratings that people listen more and get more fired up and care more to call and hosts are passionate more when things go awry when they're not supposed to go awry. So if suck sells, right now that's going to sell locally in New York. Hey, the Yankees suck. They're not supposed to suck. Wink, wink. We understand this probably won't go on forever. But you know what? Now we can only talk about the here and now. Right now they suck. So let's get passionate about it. I do think that's a good observation. Having worked in local radio for many years and seeing seeing the difference of going to Boston versus my previous stops. I was in Kansas City when the Chiefs could not win a playoff game and the Royals were absolutely disastrous. And it was hard not to be very critical because the teams would dictate that. And you didn't want to be too critical because it was like, well, then there's no reason to get up in the morning. You know, you had to celebrate the Chiefs' wins when you could and a, a hot streak by the Royals. But by and large, it was you had to be really critical. And then I went to Miami, and again, the Dolphins weren't very good. Nobody cared about the Marlins. Easy to trash them. The Heat weren't very good. And so you had to be critical because there was nothing else to talk about. And then I went to Boston, and people would get annoyed if I was that critical, it was like, well, what do you know? These teams win all the time. And it was only okay to criticize, say, the Bruins before they won the Stanley Cup because the Bruins never won the Stanley Cup. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, it, it seemed like if you criticize the Patriots, you were looking to be critical and they didn't like that. And if you were trying to tri- criticize the, the Red Sox, it was like, eh, so what? They've won four World Series or whatever, three at that time. So who cares? And the Celtics are kind of this you know, team that's always kind of good, so it's hard to get on them too much. But ultimately, you're right, and it's why I think I appreciate national radio so much more is that when you are doing local sports talk and in the weeds, it's virtually impossible not to be negative and carry a four- or five-hour show. You're talking about the same three topics every single day, any given day. Monday through Friday is not much different. It's just a few of the games play out, in, and so you can react to it. But it's the same type of topics you're talking about. So if you just say every day everything's going to be fine, let me tell you how fine it's going to be, you can't really get much traction out of that for four hours. Yeah. 
So you're forced to be a little bit more negative and look at things with a critical eye. Yeah, as it stands right now, we're taping this on Tuesday. I can honestly say, and I think you have an idea too, maybe we'll have some NFL draft topics, but we don't know what the DA show will map out and look like topic-wise on Wednesday. I can honestly tell you, I know what every local New York show is going to look like tomorrow. It's going to be probably reacting to the Yankee and Met game. So that to that point, yeah, you know what you're going to talk about going ahead. It's a matter of reacting. In essence, how are you going to carry that if you're not negative? And just I do want to add one more element in case I disappointed everybody with my uh, it's not time to panic on Monday because I saw some of those tweets you were talking about over the weekend. I do think there's an element to timing, too. And what's going on as far as a fan for me goes. I mean, I'm also watching my basketball team right now. Kevin Durant gets hurt. They kind of have the finals. Like, that is kind of higher up on the priority list. My favorite hockey team, the Rangers, are knocking on the door trying to battle the Bruins for a last playoff spot. So when it comes to the Yankees struggling in April, and I kind of lean on them always being there in October, to be fair, while I'm watching the games and I'm frustrated by them, it's hard for me to be passionately so angry and upset at the Yankees right now when, frankly, I got two teams from my spring and winter sports right in the thick of playoff hunts, and, oh, by the way, looking ahead to the NFL draft, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know that my, my like, true anger can be focused when I got three other things going on with my teams right now. They're all more positive. I, I, does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. So the bet is going to be that on May the 15th, if the Yankees have one of the three best records in baseball, me and Bogish and Bilotti, have to squeal like a pig, wink like a pig alongside you. If they do not, you have to wear a pig nose and a pigtail and have Taylor and Danielle pull your piggy tail, and then you have to oink like a stuffed pig. Now, just to, to wrap up this bet, this shows you when I get my blood pressure high and I start yelling and screaming, I start agreeing to things that don't necessarily add up i threw an arbitrary date out there i should have looked because that date will be coming off three games versus the rays who the yankees never beat (laughs) now that i'm looking i should have given myself another week beyond that number two in the midst of my rant i did also say they're going to be at or near the top of the american league and somehow i allowed you to let me to agree to the both leagues combined they have a top three record with the american national league and i'm not backing off that i agreed to it but it is so funny how i went from my mindset of what i thought and then I take a deep breath an hour later and look and wait. Well, hold on. I wasn't. I didn't mean the National League to. Oh, wait. We're playing the Rays that week that I made this arbitrary date. So I have already put myself behind the eight ball here. And my Amazon delivery guy is going to be wondering what the heck's going on because he's already, as we're going to touch on, I've already had you know basically the Quaker Oats guy costume get delivered. And now he's going to be dropping off pig snouts and tails. He's going to wonder what the heck's going on in my house. So you you ordered the Ben Franklin costume for the Patriots bet, and because the Patriots did not end up with a top three NFL draft pick, I get to throw dodgeballs at you, and you have to dress up as a colonial Patriot, and I get to dump New England clam chowder on your head. So it looks like you sent us a picture of you. You tried on. You sized the costume. Yes, my wife was very worried because as was part of the bet, these costumes have to be worth at least $50. So I tried to go for a little higher quality in item. The fabric is very high quality. It's not going to rip at the seams. I want to make sure it fit right and not just broke it out the day of the bet. Also, one thing I didn't realize when I when I ordered the, the costume was I should have paid attention to the fine print. The hair and boots were sold separately. So I had to now order those. Those are going to come separately. So it's a whole thing. It fits right now. Right now is the key word. It fits right now. So I think we're going to be in good shape when we do pay off this bet. Let me ask you. We're going to announce how we're going to pay it off to this week. So we're going to pay it off in a little over a month from now. So we'll give you the details on that. But let me ask you about a, a moment that happened before the show. I had asked you yesterday with the breaking of the Super League soccer stuff to get J.J. Devaney on. JJ's always my go-to soccer guy. He sounds like soccer because of his thick Irish accent. He gets American sports. He's he's been here for a long time. Here he was born in, in Ireland, but he he has been here for a long time. He's a huge American sports fan. He's a big New York Giants fan, a New York Mets fan. So I really like having him on because he's got good perspective. He's got good opinions, and this whole Super League soccer stuff is like rocking soccer to its core. It is it is as though. There was a national scandal with the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and sports, if this went through, would cease to exist the same way anymore here in in North America. Like, it'd be the only thing anybody talked about forever. So I wanted to talk to somebody about it. 
you said, yeah, no problem. We'll get J.J. on. And I know that every time we ask J.J. to come on, he always comes on. Mm -hmm. And I got the topic list last night, and I saw that J.J. wasn't on there. So I framed the show without it and just figured that maybe he had decided to come on Wednesday. Couldn't do Tuesday morning. That's what I assumed. So then I got up this morning and logged in and set up the computer and the Zoom and everything like that. And I went on Twitter and I saw that J.J. had tweeted... I'm going to be joining the DA show at 7.15 this morning. And I'm like, wait a second. This wasn't in the topic list. Yep. So I just G-chatted you. I said, is JJ not coming on? Because I thought maybe he had his wires crossed for the wrong day or something like that. And you're like, holy crap. Sorry. I, I've totally spaced on that. Taylor was being like oh. a Tasmanian devil last night or a monster or something like that. So we just luckily caught it before the show so I could promote it and send out the tweet about it and et cetera. But what was going on with Taylor that she was such a handful? So I will just, I'll give you a, a couple backgrounds. Number one, we have often used the PGP to tackle when I have made mistakes on the show this morning in the 10 minutes pre-show, the listeners would never know this was as low as I felt in a long time working really? the show. Like my heart sank. I, cause there have been times where you've gotten on me for stuff where maybe I fought back and argued back. Maybe I don't deserve that. No, no, no. This was a col like the potential to be a colossal mistake, especially to a good guy like JJ that I, I fat, I really beat myself up about it before the show. Like how, how could I do that? What honestly happened? I could give, I have no problem revealing this yesterday, full disclosure, very long day around these parts. I, I mentioned the dandelion <laughs> trash. There is, I'm doing a lot of weeding. We are in the process of, a, we're trying to clear out my attic. We're about to have a lot of home renovations happening. There's a lot going on. Throw in the fact that I have a one-year-old running around. Throw in the fact that my wife, as we announced, is pregnant. She had a really uh, rough day. She was at the office all day, then came home, and she just she just was not feeling good. Had one of those days where you're very tired, where we just couldn't deal with anything. And then my child just refused bedtime, w wouldn't quiet down. And it gets to be a point in time where, you know, you're just shot. You know, I mean, you could relate when doing all the work you've done in the backyard. And I was really just trying to get the topic list done. I usually do it at around where she's winding down, going for bed. My wife really just couldn't handle it. She had a pounding headache in another room. And I kept having to put my computer down, go back to a computer down. And admittedly, I don't think my focus was where it needed to be typing out the list. I felt like I was worrying about too many things at once. And it just, that happened to be the oversight, which can't happen. It would have been one thing if I missed one or two big topics. I knew I had booked Dane Brugger earlier, so that uh, earlier in the week, so that was something where I just had in my mind at least the one NFL guest I've been trying to get every day, and I just I spaced. I didn't include it after having talked to JJ earlier in the morning, and it, it just it made me feel terrible. I'm very happy you caught that, obviously, because JJ's a good guest. I would have left. I hated if we got to that point where he thought he was coming on and text happened and I, we scrambled. So thankfully we caught it. But it just it was just a, a bad, perfect storm, if that makes sense, around my part yesterday. Mm. It's a tough one. Well, we handled it before the show, so no big deal. But do you think that this is now going to be your future over the next, let's see, that Peyton is due in October. So you've got, what, five months to go here? Oh, it is definitely my future. And I could already tell you there came a break to, on Tuesday's show where I had a discussion with my wife, a very fair conversation back where there was no arguing back and forth, where I, I was told told her flat out, I understand there's going to be peaks and values about how you feel, and we're going to try to manage this the best, but sometime between 6 and 8 p.m., I need a half an hour where I close doors, go to my basement, and just lock in. I can't have what happened last night. There was an agreed-upon principle. So in trying to get ahead of these potential problems and organizing and understand the chaos that is going on in my house right now, I can't have what happened, uh, forgetting about a guest, happen going forward. So there has already been behind-the-scenes discussions here. Speaking of guests, last week we, we tackled the fact that Aiden from Marquette is helping us out. He's done some research for us, helped you out also with some background research on some um, draft guests and you had said last week the pressure is on because he's handed you a couple of good situations and you just got to, to, to book them and finalize them. How is that going? So it's actually going worse than in past years. I'm oh, glad no. you asked about this. Uh, I have contacted every single agency and person within the top 40 projected picks. And I have gotten answers back from around half of those, which is you know, basically par for the course. 
And my answers have ranged somewhere from, hey, maybe we could work something out draft week. So I'm hoping on some of those. Some have forwarded me to PR departments who had their clients maybe sell on to pitch products week of the draft, which has happened before. Some of these people I've dealt with, many of which are doing afternoons only. I'm offering to do some taping. So I'm hoping maybe something like that works out. Not a lot of morning spin. And in fact, there was, I think, our closest available morning bit. I don't want to reveal the prospect's name, but something happened to me. That has never happened before in the history of booking any of these prospects. Oh, no. The agent demanded payment for coming on Whoa. a spot. So I would tell I don't feel comfortable saying this on the air, but generally speaking, for, for the listeners to know, these young prospects and their agents usually are more than happy to get their clients out there, especially you would think a year like this where their interviews aren't really made public around the combine want to speak, get a good get good pub going. Maybe another PR department happens to hear somebody on the show. That helps them gain, you know, leverage and product. But for the first time ever, I had a uh, an agent. And when I tell you, we're not talking about a top 5 pick. Not not like in that realm. Demand payment. And then when I basically wouldn't move on that because obviously our company's not going to budget this. Okay, we'll have to get back to you. And I found that very odd. Uh, and I to me internally it would be a red flag on drafting that client. It just seems off. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I mean, just for anybody that doesn't know, all interviews are are not paid, not on CBS Sports Radio and not for any network that I've ever done unless there is a sponsored show to go along with it. So I used to host the Players Show and, and my previous stop saying Kansas City Dante Hall was the Players Show, and he got paid, and we had an hour with him, and he would take phone calls, and we would chop it up for an hour. But just these... 10 to 15 minute spots you never pay those guests ever now they get promotion that's kind of the the barter system where they get to promote their endorsement their company their website or they have a sponsor so they promote sketchers or the cbd company or this insurance company or whatever that happens they got a book to push that happens but you're you would never ever pay so that's pretty weird that before the guy's ever even in the NFL, either he or his agency is demanding payment. I mean, if the guy's going to be a first-round draft pick, he's going to make tons of money anyway. What what kind of payment do they expect? Like a hundred bucks to come on the radio? I don't know, and I, I want to stress this: the the person I dealt with, the rep here, wasn't a jerk about it. It wasn't like he was an arrogant jerk. He, he basically, though, the premise was this player should not be doing anything he's not getting paid for. A very nice conversation back and forth where I kind of had to laugh it off and say that's not really how it works. And I and I actually flat out told him, I said, in my seven years of booking prominent guests, and I rattled off guys like Patrick Mahomes and Sam Darnold and, and many of these guests that we've had on, none have ever required such a request. So, I, again, I found it very odd, but I, it was very revealing to me. And I just know internally when I watch the draft, I will be rooting against my team selecting this player because to me, it just seems like you're already going about the wrong things entering the NFL. But that might just be a me thing. Maybe it means nothing. Maybe it means something. I don't know. But that that's just, I found that one response to be very out of left field because I had never heard that response uh, from a prospect now in all these years booking these spots for this week. Mm, yeah, boy. That's that's a red flag right there. Maybe just bad agency. Maybe just bad representation. But it, it means that this guy chose a weird agent. That's for sure. For sure. For sure. Okay, so all of that work that Aiden did, it might not help us land anybody, huh? I wouldn't say it won't help us land anybody. Look, even if it doesn't land anybody, it definitely helps reconnect with people I might not have connected with in a few years slash connect with new people in the business that I didn't that now I'm exchanging emails with so I would say this I think there's still high hopes I think we I do have uh, a lot of relationships with some of these PR teams I can tell you that we had Robert Woods last week from the Rams on the show his people that he was working with are working with a couple draft clients that I've been forwarded to as well seems like a lot of afternoon space but I'm trying to make something happen here. I wouldn't say it's wasted. And it, and the worst case is we don't get anybody, but at least the networking and reconnection is there because the network is key. Especially, we talked about this when we didn't go to the Super Bowl. That's what a lot of the Super Bowl is for mm-hmm. is networking with a lot of these people. So if anything, read lines of communication have opened up with people with important guests. So okay. regardless, I don't think it's a waste for the show. Okay. That's good to know. Before I let you go, and before you talk to Bogues on side B, I had never heard the clip that Pete dug up today where Bogish mispronounces his own name. He signs off of a an update and says, I'm Andrew Bogus, and then has to <laughs> and then has to correct himself and say Bogish. 
and says, thanks, John. And so it happened on the John Feinstein show. He doesn't remember specifically the incident. But were you aware that there was a moment where he mispronounced his own name? Never. And I actually found Bogus's explanation, which I'm going to ask him about on side B, a little odd. He mentioned, D.A., that now I make sure I type my name into my script, where I interpreted that as he did type his name and maybe just misspelled it. And he's so uh, maybe by the book when it comes to timed updates, not necessarily the ones on our show that people had a problem with the interrupting, but so by the book that he's reading it like it's a teleprompter and just can't think in the heat of the moment and reads the wrong name. But he suggested that it wasn't typed, which makes it even odder to me that he wouldn't say his name right. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine. I do write my name in scripts when I do, when I have to sign off like the CBS Sports Minute and whatnot, but that's really for timing and, and word count purposes. It is not to make sure I pronounce my last name correctly. Odd. Very odd. I mean, he's been saying his last name his whole life to screw that up. <laughs> and I'm sure people have called it. Maybe that's why maybe Feinstein kept calling him bogus for something and it was in the back of his head. But I mean, I'm sure when your name's Andrew Bogus, people have called you bogus at some point, whether they're making fun of you or whatever. Just like I was more ass for a lot of my life when anybody had a problem. And you've had people mispronounce your name all over the place. But to actually say it yourself professionally seems odd. It does. It does indeed. What is so funny? It just is funny that we had no idea that this happened. Oh. It does it does feel like that could be a an iconic moment and we had no idea that it even happened. Iconic. That's an iconic <laughs> moment. Bogus has had some bad updates. <laughs> just mispronouncing his own name. And there was one other thing that I wanted to get to show related wise. I'm trying to think about was it. Was it Kaplan going back to the studio? Well, how about that? That cat shows up at the studio out of nowhere. He hasn't been to the studio in a year, wasn't asked to come back, is at the studio for his first morning, and the TriCaster goes down. He gets it going back up. That's the machine that he uses to do the simulcast. But he's been able to connect with it remotely from home, so it goes down, ironically, of course, the first day that he's back. But we say, why did you go in today of all the days? He said, I was up early. Did that not come across as such a Shep answer to you? Like, that's like, what it reminded it, me of, but something the chef would say. Yeah, and he's so sarcastic that you don't know if that's serious or not. For Shep, that's super serious, like, or it's covering for something else. But I couldn't tell if that was just Cap, like, jerking around with us. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that because there's still not a concrete answer on when the rest of us are going back to the studio, and I can't imagine Cap's bosses above him are forcing him back. In fact, you could argue with the technology. He's much better off staying from home since the system didn't go down when he was at home. But, yeah, I, I, I was up early. That doesn't make much sense. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> it was amazing, and Cap has not cut his hair in a year, and we've seen it on Zoom, but it is still hard to kind of really understand it on Zoom. Pete had never seen it. He shows up, and Pete doesn't know who he is. In fact, Amy showed. Amy was in. He opened up the door for Amy. She didn't know who it was. So he's walking around like Jesus right now with hair down the, the small of his back and a long beard, and nobody in the office even recognizes him. <laughs> well, it's been a year. You know, Kaplan was always a very quiet guy around the office anyway, so he might have been, unless you work directly on our show, maybe Kaplan is forgettable to some people. I don't know. But this is the one thing I would say about Kaplan's hair. I happen to love it when we saw it on Zoom, although it's probably different in person. Heck, we didn't even know that Bogus had long hair based on what oh, we see true. on that's Zoom true. every day. So who knows how he would look when we saw him in person. But for, for Andrew Kaplan, this what makes me think it wasn't pre-planned and maybe he was up early and just wanted to go back to the studio. For Andrew Kaplan to go back to the studio... You would think, you know, whatever coronavirus fears maybe have, have calmed down, maybe, I don't know, maybe Cap's vaccine, maybe he's not. But you would think that he would now have the time to go and say, all right, I'm going to get a haircut, I'm going to clean myself up, I'm going to be back to what I was, now I'm going back to the office. He bypassed all of that and went as working from home Cap, who hasn't cut his hair in a year, into the office. I found that so odd that he skipped all those steps unless he's embracing the look he has now. It's true. And he also said, I'm never coming back in again. Does he get to call that shot? Is he unlike the rest of us that have to do what the boss is saying? He's above the fray? My guess would be yes. My guess. Kaplan has found himself in such a sweet spot. He's so great at his job that yeah. he had to give days so back invaluable. to the company because they basically can't find people to cover for him when he needs off. And he it's does a true. show on WFN as well. Number two, he's executed this, you know, obviously our stream and Twitch and everything so well from home that. 
our stream and being on Twitch is so much better now than what it was pre-pandemic. So when you, when you do, and I, I'm serious about that. So when you do that, we have guests now that are able to come on Zoom, and he's figured out a way to have the audio up, and it sounds like the guest is in studio. When you have come up with all of this, he's basically an inventor and just keeps, <laughs> you know, changing the way radio is visually. Literally, he is the guy that the rest of the country and these networks and and companies need to speak to. I think when you become that valuable, yes, you do call the shots. They could take any couple bozos to host and produce a show and say, you guys don't want to come back? Don't worry, we're going to bring these guys in now and do the show. You need Kaplan. There is no other Kaplan. He's undeniably the most valuable asset to the company out of everybody that works on our show. It's it's not hyperbole to say that, actually. He is probably in our company— the best at what he does compared to anybody else and what they do because he's such a rare commodity. They can't find anybody to do it like Cap does. And as you said, he's innovating new ways to do things every single day. So they can't afford not to bow to his every whim. It's like he can call his shots now. It's amazing how much power that he's assumed. Yeah, and in fact, even before I knew Kaplan was coming back, I was having this discussion with my wife the other night. I said, you know, when eventually they bring us all back, my actual fear is that our stream is going to look worse than it does from us working from home. The way he's figured out the Zoom and all of our ring lights and everything that goes with it. I, I have this fear that at the very beginning, at least, this stream is not going to look as crisp when we're in studio, which is saying something. Imagine that. Imagine being out of the studio and it being a better look for TV at home. Like that is what Kaplan has done. It's in play. That's in play. That's how good he is at his job. He's even fixed the light above Bilotti's head. Right. And But you know what? We can't let this go without saying. He sends a picture. He had stopped in, I guess, over the weekend to play with some things. Maybe he was anticipating coming back. And he showed us that the light was fixed. And people he asked in our group text over the weekend, how'd you fix it? His response, I flipped the switch up. Which <laughs> was a rough one. I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. But obviously, there was people. I'm assuming he was being sarcastic. But that was that was a bad scenario for Pete when he says I flipped the switch off. An ongoing storyline has been every time we go to Pete in the studio, it's always so dark, and so the cameras don't pick it up on the simulcast. And Pete has said that the lights have been burst or broken or something in the in the control room. That is basically like. The old west with tumbleweeds rolling by and old <laughs> saloon doors and so that it's never been fixed. and They won't fix it. And then, uh, you know, Cap always wants everything to look so good. And he's like, why is it so dark? And <laughs> there's a picture of Connor who's, I don't even think, aware that he's on camera from the studio in a screenshot. And he looks bright and awesome. And this, and this office looks great. And Cap sends this along. And it's like, oh, wow, how'd you do that? How'd you fix that? It, must have gone through a lot of a lot of work and Cap just tweets, I flipped the light switch up. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's so amazing. Well, uh, onward and upward, and we will announce this week the paying off specifics of the Patriots bet. And now Marez is gonna talk to Bogish on side B about mispronouncing his own name. Side B of the PGP. It is Mraz, host of Side B, and the executive producer of the DA Show. Jolly as always, Andrew Bogus joins me now. Andrew Bogus, how are you? I'm doing well, Sean. You seem very excited for somebody who was complaining Tuesday morning. It sounded like complaints uh, about having to do podcasts every week. So I'm glad that you're at least being professional here and sounding excited. Can anybody understand tongue in cheek? I love doing PGP. <laughs> I love doing G Wiz. It was. I found an avenue to take a shot. I love making fun of myself, and everybody knows that. I make fun of myself more than anybody else does. So when I get a chance that Dave Sampson really has me all wound up and ticked off, yeah, I'm, that's I'm going to take a shot at him. Dave Sampson should be embarrassed. Now you got me going again. Dave Sampson should frankly be embarrassed that he's doing the same job right now that Sean Mraz is. I'm sorry. He should be. That is embarrassing. <laughs> you were a general manager of a baseball team. You handed out a terrible contract that my team's dealing with, and now you are literally doing the same job, essentially through the same company and platform that Sean Mraz from SUNY O Westbury, who eats Chipotle four times a week, is doing. That's embarrassing. So, yes, okay? I'm, I was ticked off at him, but I'm not embarrassed to be doing podcasts. Sorry. Fair? It is, and I love how you get um, 
the, like the Italian in you comes out when you get angry and confrontational here. Like there's a there's a Sopranos like accent that all of a sudden comes out here that makes you sound like a little more tougher than you are. No, there was no Sopranos there. That was all me. Imitate what I just. No, there's a like little. That. There's a little like you got your hands going while you're talking about this. There's there's a little there's a different twang to tough guy Sean. I disagree. Was no twang around here. Not a twang to be had. Now, Bogus, can we ask this? How did you say your name was Andrew Bogus years ago? Because I think that's I, – I'm trying to remember after P played it on the air on Tuesday. The way I said it in that drop is the way John Feinstein used to say it, like in a dismissive way to me. So I think it was just like in my head – and something misfired, and it came out that way. I believe that's how that played out. Interesting. Okay, so that here's the reason I asked that. You mentioned on the show, and I just mentioned this to, to DA, you now need to even write out your name and your scripts, right? You're very by the book. You want to make sure you don't screw that up. I interpret you saying Andrew Bogus as having it written out, and for whatever reason it was misspelled, and you were just so in the zone of teleprompter reading, let's call it, and that's how you said it. So this was not typed out, and this was just in your head, and you blurted it out? Um, it, it might have said, I'm A-B in my script. This, the, what's there, what I write out isn't always exactly full word for word, but everything has a place, like in a placeholder, to remind me to do it. Because, like, there are things going on, like... You know, there's music starts or there's breaking news or something's happening in the studio or I'm just a dope. So, like, I need things to remind me even of the normal things that I say in every single one of my updates. They're always there um, so I don't mess up. And I might not always actually read them, but, like, it's just enough there, like, to visually trigger me to do them. Um, so okay. I, it was not a simple misread of my script. Um, I definitely, that was definitely just my brain letting me down in the moment. And I think, cause you hear John at the end of the drop go where I say John's ruined me, which is what started my memory. I think he was calling me Arnold bogus, which he did for the entirety of that show. So I think that's why I ended up saying a misfit version of my, of my name. That's so funny. Isn't it funny how the brain works? Because you're somebody who rarely makes a mistake in comparison to the glorious mistakes I have made. And to have you on your own name just based on somebody calling you something else, like Arnold Bogus, have that trigger in your brain. I find that fa – I don't know. Maybe that's not that interesting to the audience. I find that so fascinating to me. Maybe it's because I know you so well. Just to hear you blurt that out, I had never heard that. That was a good find by Pete. That was incredible. Well, I mean – I wasn't sitting there that day going, don't say bogus or bogus, whatever I said, but like, bogus. I'm sure you, <laughs> but like when I've had a script and I've had like hard words in the script that I know were going to be hard to say, like the whole time you're like, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't say it this way. And then you say it exactly that way because you've talked yourself into making the mistake. I think we've all kind of done that. So I think that's kind of like, just things get in your head. Like the other, it happened. It happened to me the other day, back to back days on 880 last week. Paul Mernane is the very super talented midday news anchor on the number one news station in New York, and he called me Marco because Marco Belletti had done the 17 updates before that, and then I came in for just one. And he go and he said, you know, blah blah blah, Marco. And I was like, and he and I had just talked during the break, so I gave him crap that I wasn't Marco. And then the very next day, I started to call him Ray, our good buddy Ray Martell, because Ray was talking in my ear before the update started. So Paul threw to me, and I was, I, I started to say something about the Mets. It was like Ray, I mean Paul. So like, it just your brain sometimes lets you down, and like the wrong things get in there and send your brain in different directions, and then silly things happen on the radio. Interesting. Fascinating that Andrew Bogus can't say his name correctly. Now, there is something I wanted to bring up from Monday's show, which I think we tend to not do enough of on the PGP. It feels like it ends up being a lot of reaction to the show we just did. Monday's show, during soundcheck, we played a clip of what we called a Madden glitch-type touchdown in Villanova playing Delaware. And you know a thing or two about calling Delaware football games in the past. Obviously, they're playing in the spring. 
And it was the quarterback of Villanova. Shame on me for not remembering his name. And he basically was getting tackled to the ground. He just flips a ball up in the air, gets caught by the tight end, and a touchdown. Uh, you might be familiar with the play-by-play announcer. Uh, do you know who the play-by-play announcer was? You gave me the name. Are you familiar with his work? I am not. But they are. I, I'm assuming they are the me and Kadri Ismael of Villanova football Villanova. because that was the same kind of operation that we were running for Delaware. So my guess is those guys have Philly Villanova connections, but I do not know them personally. Okay, so I am not asking you to knock this. I know that is not professional courtesy or anything. But I found it interesting and wanted to play the audio because it was kind of a pass that went viral. And to me, I think if you're a voice in the CAA, it's spring football, and you have a moment like that, that is your time to shine. I don't know if meltdown is the right word, but I found this to be more Gary Gerald of the Kings type call than overly excitement over what, what I think is one of the most amazing touchdown passes anybody will see in football. And I'm curious, Bogus, from the play-by-play point of view, a, would you have raised it up a notch? And B, is there any way we can get a reenactment of how you would have called it should you have been in the voice of this game? No, I will never do that. Make, doing a call that is not happening in front of me is impossible. It's going to sound terrible. Wow. So I will save me that embarrassment of wow. that play. You um, won't play along? I, I, you won't play along No. I I've had to do this like for different, for different um, projects, so to speak, and I hate it with a passion because like I just I can't do it correctly. It has to be like it has to happen in the moment. I can't I, I can't like do it now. It just doesn't make sense in my head. It never comes out good. Um and so as the as for the actual call, I've never heard that guy before. The only thing I've ever heard him do was that play. And huh. what I'll say in his defense, having again no context for his call, is that if it was me and I missed the pass because he's calling the play over and then the color guy jumps in and goes, that's a touchdown. And he's like, oh, yeah, and he tries to catch up to it. I would have been so beside myself, angry and embarrassed that I didn't see the ball leave his hand and then be caught that it then would have ruined the reaction after the fact. I don't know if that's unprofessional or whatever, but like I've had plays where you don't know what happened, like, you know, where – Football in particular, you know, you think there was a handoff and you go Jones running left and he stopped. And then all of a sudden there's a pass 30 yards down the field. You feel like a dope. So, like, I, I think he might have felt because he was fooled that he might have been starting to be angry at himself. And that's why the rest of the call was just kind of a regular broadcast because his his what was going on inside his head was like, how did you miss that dope? Because that's how I would have been in the moment. Okay, that's an honest answer, play-by-play-wise. I was very curious because when I saw this over the weekend, I know you're familiar, obviously, with calling Delaware games. I, I heard this call, and I said, man, Bogus would have been a lot better here. So you didn't take the bait. You won't reenact. You'll you'll back up this play-by-play guy. The ultimate company line man is Andrew Bogus. And speaking of company lines, I want to end with this. A little discussion DA and I just had on side A. Andrew Kaplan returned to the studio like Superman, like Jordan coming back to the Bulls. Gets ready to do the stream today. We have a little technical difficulty on Tuesday with Kaplan back. DA and I said this, and I I think I was the one that that led the charge on this. Would you say, at CBS Sports Radio, Andrew Kaplan is the most indispensable piece and or is the person that does their singular job better than anybody else at the entire network? Oh, this is a good question. And this is... um... I said this once on the air, and I got the guy's name wrong, and you yelled at me. You weren't working that day, but you were listening to me. Um, I've, I used to say, and I probably still would say, but maybe actually not anymore with Mahomes, but Justin Tucker, who I believe is the Ravens kicker, yep. did his job better than anyone else did their job in the NFL. So I feel like you're asking me the same question about, about Kaplan's. We'll call this like the Justin Tucker theory. Um, that's a really good question because Kaplan is super – super talented and indispensable and maybe somebody else could turn on all of those video machines and get our show or moose and maggie like on the web stream but no one could do it and make it look as good and professional and and creative as cap does and especially all the things he does that people don't realize he's doing in like 43 seconds like reacting immediately to things that we had just said on the air um huh i mean if he's not Number one, I mean, he's he's like in the top three because I'm trying to think of like 
you know, the other hosts around the building, basically. Right, right. And, and, and he's like for, as for good instance, a host as anybody, as any of the singular hosts are. Exactly. Is is Andrew Kaplan at running the stream for this station? So much so that now New York locally has him also, like, doubling up and running right. stream to try to get this out. Is he, he has the in, longest day of all of us. I thought it was me for a while, but I think it's still, it's technically him right now. And and this is not a knock. So do, I, I can't stress the following statement. I'm saying this is not a knock. This is a compliment. Is Andrew Kaplan as good, if not better at his job, than Jim Rome, the staple of sports talk, especially at CBS Sports Radio, like our, our leader of hosts, right? Like, is Kaplan as good at his job as Jim Rome is at hosting the jungle? I'd say Kaplan is on a Jim Rome trajectory. I mean, Jim's okay. been doing this for forever. And, you know, you and I as New Yorkers would say, would say, you know, Chris and Mike, and then you've got Jim on a national level that, I mean, they have basically created the medium for, for the largest extent. So it's hard to put Cap next to him right now but can cap be the jim rome of his job in a couple of decades a hundred percent i hope that cap is doing more productive things than sitting in a tiny little room eh. putting our ugly faces on a website for th- four hours every morning and then switching over to moose and maggie but yeah cap is cap is that good and after you get past jim i i think cap would be on equal footing with almost all of our other personnel on the network Okay, that was a, I like that little exercise. It's a little behind-the-scenes stuff. And I, I would say this, for all of you guys who maybe don't understand what I re- would relate to, if CBS Sports Radio formed the Pro Bowl or the All-Star team and we had to have a representative <laughs> go from each show, Kaplan would be—we might have more than one representative. Who knows? Kaplan would be our representative. There's no doubt about it. He would be there. If be somehow— to the crowd, no doubt. Maybe this will make sense. If somehow— we as a network, all of us, anchors, hosts, producers, cap, bosses, hosts, I say hosts, if we were all somehow in the same building and the building caught on fire, we'd have to get Jim and Cap out. After that, I don't know what we would have to do, but those two guys would have to get out to keep the network going after the tragic fire in our building. All right, well, on that morbid note, I think it's time we wrap the piece. <laughs> I thought that was also lighthearted. I thought it was a good balance. <laughs> Stunned to a news. Cap and Jim make it out. Everybody else burns to death. Bogus next. Uh, all right, Bogus. <laughs> Jeez. You can follow you on Twitter. Not at Andrew Bogus, but where? Um, <laughs> Firestarter.com. Oh, jeez. All right. Don't follow him there. Uh, and don't even search that in your Google images, especially when no, you're don't. at the workplace. Uh, and you can follow me in Twitter, on Twitter and Instagram. Have a Raz CES. Have a happy week. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and ATT at tmobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.